22 of the Waveback Music Podcast. My name is Chris. And I'm Matt. And we're here to listen to the most interesting video game music there is. With the advent of home consoles, the arcade scene had started to decline. That is, until Capcom released one of the most influential games of all time, which gave them all a massive shot in the arm. Go home and be a family man, because tonight we listen to the music of the arcade game Street Fighter 2. Well, hello, Matt. What's up, Chris? Oh, nothing month? Nothing, nothing month? This okay. month, Shabikabai! No, this uh-huh. month marks the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter 2, so mm-hmm. it seemed like a pretty good time to cover some Street Fighter 2 music. Gonna have to agree with you on that one. Well, is there ever a bad time for Street Fighter 2 music? Also gonna have to agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah there's there's not. You doing okay, though? How, how, how's life in the, the world of Matt? Uh... <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it. Um, you know, I can't really complain. Honestly, uh, things are things are good, all things considered. Yes, it is always important to consider all of the things. Yes, I so, didn't consider a thing once. Uh huh. A problem. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some. Uh, Top top quality podcasting right there. Well, Matt, <laughs> yes, let's uh, we've we've got a lot of great music to listen to. Let's uh, let's just get right to it, shall we? We shall. Hit us with some history. Street Fighter Two was released in the arcades worldwide on February sixth, nineteen ninety one. It ran on Capcom's CP system board, and it arrived just in time to reinvent the whole arcade business. After the home console market began catching up to the power of arcade units. And popular game design philosophy started leaning more towards completionism over high-score catching, the arcade scene began to decline. When Street Fighter II hit the scene, though, it introduced a brilliant form of competition and large, colorful graphics that struck a chord with people and became a phenomenon. It was hardly the first one-on-one fighting game ever created, but like many of the most popular games in history, it was the first to do it in a way that made it accessible for everyone. A massive improvement over the original Street Fighter in every conceivable way, Street Fighter 2 was eventually ported to basically everything with a screen and iterated upon to an absurd degree in the arcades. But no matter which flavor you play from the original CPS2 release to the unauthorized Street Fighter 2 Rainbow to Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix, Street Fighter 2 is a true classic in every sense of the word. The music was composed in large part by Yoko Shimomura. A few tracks were composed by Iso Abe, who also handled arrangements for several home console ports and sequels, but almost all of these original legendary compositions were Shimomura's work. She eventually left Capcom for Squaresoft and had quite a career in video game music comp... comp- composition, including the Kingdom Hearts, Mario and & Luigi, and Parasite Eve franchises. We've spoken about her at great length on this show before, and she's darn good at what she does. So, Matt... What is your personal history with Street Fighter 2? Oh my goodness. Now, a lot of the times that we do these episodes, I always feel bad because I can't really weigh in on a lot of this stuff um, because I either missed it or I don't know. This is one of the few games that was like, for me and my group of friends, a must have. I want to say that I was amongst my friends the first person to own it. I remember I got it for Christmas, and I remember I got it for Christmas, and that morning, until I was dead dog tired, I played it straight, just all day into the evening, 
and it was heavy rotation. Um, once my friends started getting it, we started playing each other. There was, oh, uh, we would run home from school and go to a buddy's house, and we'd just play it all afternoon until it was like dinner time. We, I feel like there were friendships broken because of it. <laughs> um, and that's just the home console. The arcade is a whole other story. Um, when this thing, this thing was gangbusters, man. Uh, in my neighborhood, back when this dropped, we still had a few um, spots that had, we had, like the pizzeria would have like a couple of arcade stand-up cabinets and things like that. Uh, there was like one or two small bodegas that had stand-up cabinets. This one place, um, not too far from my childhood home, had a cabinet, and they bent the circuit inside of it to do like all the crazy things where like Guile's sonic boom would uh, move in a diagonal zigzag towards the opponent. Same Street with... Fighter Rainbow kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that's what it was called until probably like three years ago or something. Yeah, I um, think we had that conversation, I think during our Smash Brothers episode maybe? Probably, yeah. Um, Just gangbusters. And and uh, just kind of an interesting anecdote. Um. I had a friend, uh, he's still with me, he's still friends. We've been friends since first grade. Uh, I didn't mean to say it, like he, he's not no longer on this plane of existence, my fault. Um, he was the first one of us to, because like, I think for me personally, I just put the game in, press play, and, and just go win for it. He was the first one to be like, you guys don't change your controls? And we were like, what are you talking about? And then he was, he was among the only player in our circle who changed his controls to a different configuration and then of course the moment i did it i was like oh my god this game's even better <laughs> you know so to this day i have this um i know he knows it he can rattle off the the pattern of what uh mapping uh system he used and it's it's somewhere in the back of my head so i know the first button is x hmm. and and you know so like all the all the high punch high kick buttons are accessible by a thumbs and not triggers and things like that. So, yeah, this this game has such a deep impact on on me and my friends. So, oh man, so many memories with this one. I think if I'm not mistaken, um, I don't I don't have the space to kind of put my old consoles out. But I'm pretty sure I haven't seen it in a while. But I'm pretty sure I still own the original card I got for Christmas back in ninety one, ninety two. You know. Nice. And what about you, Chris? What's your history with this game? All right, my history with this game. Uh, I don't have as much of a history with other people, with Street Fighter 2 in specific. I have a lot of multiplayer history with subsequent Street Fighter games. But Street Fighter 2, I had never really heard of before because I wasn't much of an arcade. I wasn't much of an arcade guy. I didn't have an arcade that was close enough to me that I didn't need, like, a serious ride to get to. There was no way for me to actually hang out in an arcade. So the first time I saw Street Fighter Two was at uh, my cousin's house. My cousins, Jason and Ryan, I was the indoor kid. They all went outside to play, but they always had a ton of great games. I think I mentioned these, these, these guys before when uh, we did UN Squadron. Similar situation. I go to their house. They're going to go outside and play baseball. And I'm like, I'm going to try this thing out. I turned on Street Fighter 2, expecting it to be like a final fight type of game, because that's what I... I didn't understand the concept of what a fighting game was, because I had never played Urban Champion or Karate Champ before, and I and the whole concept of a one-on-one -on -one fighting game, where you're always facing the other person, 
mm-hmm. had never even occurred to me. It was like nothing I had ever seen or heard of before. I turned on this thing and I could not believe what I was seeing. Like the characters were so big. They mm-hmm. were just these massive characters and they had idle animations, which was also something that I wasn't very familiar with at the time. Because for the most part, if you're playing Mario or Legend of Zelda or any of the games from the NES, for the most part, your characters don't have idle animations. When you start up Street Fighter 2, there are two characters facing each other and they are ready to fight. You know, they're in stances and they're moving like they're ready to fight. And I was like, what? This is so amazing. <laughs> so I'm just... I, so I was playing against the computer. I, my first character I picked was Blanca because I thought he looked awesome. He reminded me of the Amazon in, uh, in pro wrestling. And uh, Oh, yeah. And then I picked him and he could bite somebody's head. It's like, oh, my God. This is, ah. <laughs> and uh, I was just so completely blown away by it. My cousins, being you know not that into video games like me, they let me borrow it. I was going to be back there in like a week or two. So they let me take the game home. And I... I was just like telling my parents about it. They're like, yeah, sure. Okay. (laughs) They didn't give a crap about video games. And I'm just, I'm just mastering this game, trying to, trying to beat it over and over again. Finally took down M. Bison and, and then it just ignited this lifelong love of Street Fighter 2. And then I eventually played the arcade machine. Mm -hmm. Um, The next time we went to the mall, I stopped by an arcade because I had heard that it was based on an arcade game. And I, once I saw the arcade version, and I was like, wow, this looks almost exactly like the Super Nintendo one. Like, this looks really, really close. But then I, I put in some quarters, and I picked Blanca, and I backed up, and they had different walking animations for walking backwards, as they did from walking forwards. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> Blew your little mind. And of course, like, you could barely hear it back then. The closest I ever heard to like really hearing what this game sounded like outside of the sound effects, because you couldn't really hear the music too well in the crowded arcades back then. But in my local shop, right, had a Street Fighter II Rainbow machine. And that was like in this little alcove where they had a couple of arcade games. And it was like where you'd push your carts to go outside after you checked out. So I'd go in there and I'd hang out and I'd play this, the wacky Street Fighter 2 rainbow cabinet with all the like, you know, Ryu can throw three fireballs in midair and stuff like that. And that's when I really started to hear what the music sounded like because I had loved all the music in the Super Nintendo version. And that's Mm kind of like, that's my Street Fighter baseline right there is the Super NES version. And yeah. hearing what the arcade versions of these songs sounded like was pretty pretty mind blowing to me. And I never really went back to track down the original arcade versions all those years later when video game music became so much more accessible thanks to the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that I have, it's still really wild to listen to this stuff with it not being my baseline of Street Fighter Two because I think this is how the music was written. But I'm so familiar with the way the instrumentation and stuff on the Super Nintendo version, it's pretty wild listening to these, even to this day. But the, you know, that that's my history of Street Fighter Two. <laughs> well, now that you say uh, we're listening to the arcade stuff, um, I'm gonna have to kind of say that this might be among some of my first listens through as well. Uh, granted, I, you know, okay, so where where I'm from, where I grew up, and where I currently live, we used to have. A Nathan's. Everybody knew it was Nathan's Arcade, and it was Nathan's. It was, a, it was a, used to be a huge restaurant for Nathan's, and then they had an arcade room in the back. And the arcade room in the back is where I spent a lot of time. Um, and I played. I played it there, but mostly I played it around my neighborhood. Like I said, the pizzeria had a cabinet. The bodega had a cabinet. But 
Oh my, I, I don't think I've heard these songs in 25 years. Like, so this is going to be kind of almost brand new for me. Yeah, and even if you had just heard them in the arcade, this will this this listening to the arcade version of Street Fighter Two in like perfect crystal clear quality is a yeah for a lot of folks it's a pretty unique experience and this uh, is this might be eye opening for a lot of people or fr- you know fans of the franchise that never went this deep or something. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there there are parts of this soundtrack that are really weirdly lo-fi. Mm-hmm. And it's it's cool. To, it's all really cool to listen to. I'm excited. I'm excited, Syphil. <laughs> Let's get to work, shall we? We all right, shall. So uh, we played the uh, the opening tune over the uh, opening of the episode. So our first proper song that we'll be listening to tonight is Player Select. I was just gonna do all the irregular stage tunes. It's a little bit of a beefier episode because there's. I, there was just nothing to cut out. Like, what, am I going to cut out Dalsim's music? No, it's not the best song in the game, but come on. We're going to listen to all the World Warriors and Skip India? I don't think so. We're going to listen to all of them. And we've got to start with the player select theme, because this is like... For a lot of people, this was the first song you ever heard in Street Fighter. And if you played it for the first time on consoles, you heard the intro music and all that jazz. But this is where it starts. This is where you, and this is also the song that you probably heard the most in the arcades, because the only sound effect that you were hearing over it was the moving of the icons, not all the hadouken and punching and kicking and all that stuff. So, let's go ahead and give a listen to Player Select from Street Fighter II: The World Warrior. Enjoy. <laughs> There's not a whole lot to it, but as the kids say, it still slaps. <laughs> That's I, a banger. I cannot use lingo. <laughs> this is a well-documented fact. I am physically incapable of properly using lingo. Uh, uh, okay. Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, one of the things that jumps out to me is um, the drum. You were you were talking about how some of it is surprisingly low-fi. Like uh-huh. the the drum section is surprisingly lo-fi, but in a weird way, like it really comes together and works for um for the whole piece. Mm-hmm. I just I when you when you said it's surprisingly lo-fi, like I, I tried to like maybe do a rolodex in my head of like where it could be, and I'm, I don't know where the heck that could, like lo-fi where, and then it pops here, and I'm like, oh, huh. Yeah, no, the parts, interesting choice. <laughs> the parts that are lo-fi are going to be very obvious. It's not secretly. It's going to be like, no, this is very obviously a lower fidelity than a lot of the other instruments that are being used. So that's that's it's going to come up, but it's never really bad. Yeah. Yeah. But no, not. I at love all. this song, man. This is this is such a classic piece of video game history, right there, man. That's the, it's the character selects because there was no character select in in Street Fighter. Street Fighter Two gave you eight characters to choose from and they're all awesome uh, it's a matter of opinion but yeah okay <laughs> come on who's who's not awesome in street fighter 2 um i okay uh 
Not e- now I'm not talking about easy to use. I'm talking about just awesome. Awesome characters. Oh, okay, then never mind. Then I have like, nothing I have nothing I'm, bad to say. I'm <laughs> terrible with Zangief, but Sorry, of I course. Mean, and once I learned how to use Delsim, I was like, oh man, this guy's actually pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's such a well-balanced game. It's awesome. You're right. You're definitely right. I take all right. it back. All right, all right. Let's get to let, let's get to, to the to the real meat and potatoes. The first yes. one, we're we're gonna come out we're gonna come out strong. There's there's no bad there's no bad on this list, but we gotta come out really strong here because I basically went with the character select screen left to right, top bottom, top bottom, top bottom, top bottom. That's how I went to choose these tracks, the track orders. So that means the first track is Japan reuse stage. I'm sorry, Street Fighter Two, Japan, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, boy, this is like, this is such a good song. All right, here is Japan, Ryu Stage from Street Fighter 2. Enjoy! such a good fighting game song it's so invigorating it's so i think the part that always kills me when i'm listening to it is um right before you get to the main melody that what'd you prefer you get to that there's this really simple drum fill of a triple hit on the snare that just it just absolutely nails the energy it's so good i love this tune i i'm a big fan um there's, in my opinion, there's few Street Fighter tracks that are as got iconic as Ryu's stage. Um, oh yeah, I mean they exist, but there's few of them. Yeah, there's there's one or two others that come to mind, and we'll get to those. Um, yeah, the drums again on the on the lo-fi, but interestingly enough, uh, there's like double pedals in there, which mm-hmm. really just popped up out of nowhere for me. Um, I love that hook. The melody lead, oh yeah, just, just beautiful. It's it, 
like you said, it's it's all the energy you need in a fighting game. It's um, it's become a, a classic track. I mean, because it's it out of the gate, it's just a great song. It's it's yeah. so iconic. It, it she she nailed it. <laughs> Yoko, oh, absolutely. For, for the record, I believe every track that we're going to be listening to tonight was a Yoko Shimomura track, with the exception of uh, Sagat's theme. I think that mm. was the only one that we're going to be listening to that was Isoabe, but. Whew, yeah, well, let's keep it going. Let's yes. keep that energy high and travel to USA. USA! With Ken. Yeah. The palette swap of Ryu, who has since moved on to be much more of his own character. But in Street Fighter 2, he was he had a couple of differences. Street Fighter 1, they were 100% palette swap. In Street Fighter 2, there was a couple of differences. You know, his throw was different. His uh, hurricane kick hit differently. But for the most part... They're almost still pal- just basic palette swaps in this one. But boy, his stage is totally awesome. Dude, the, the boat in the background and very cool contrast to Ryu's stage and uh, a totally awesome song. So here we go. Here's Ken's stage from Street Fighter 2. Enjoy. <laughs> another absolute rocker of a song mm-hmm. just so good so ken very quickly became my favorite character um and later on when i have no it might have been turbo when you can change the color of their outfits and stuff <laughs> i used to <laughs> i'm so corny I used to play my friends, and I would pick Ken, because Ken was my character. Nobody else liked mm-hmm. to play with him. I don't know why. Um, I would pick Ken in, like, the darkest color gi he had, which was, like, a dark gray, almost black. Mm-hmm. And I would always say the same thing. I'm wearing this color because it's going to be your funeral. 
<laughs> and inevitably lose. <laughs> I loved in Super Street Fighter 2 for Super Nintendo, Ken had a bright green outfit. Yes. And for some reason, I, I just that. loved that one. I thought that was the coolest looking thing. Even though I knew it was not cool looking, there was just something about Ken in bright green that just did it for me. <laughs> I, listen, I get it. It's it's silly. It's it's the same. It's probably the same principle behind like you know all the skin colors. Like why people pick weird skin colors for Fortnite and Minecraft and you know all those games. Like you just want to be obnoxious. <laughs> and you just you want to inject your own personality into it. It's. I, I yeah. loved the uh, the alternate colors thing. Like when I first saw the uh, the down R up L Y B A code for the Super Nintendo Street Fighter Two: The World Warrior that lets you do uh, mirror matches, basically, because mm-hmm. that wasn't that wasn't an option out of the gate. You couldn't both pick like Ken or Ryu or whatever. And I saw the alternate colors for everybody. It was so freaking weird. The Blanca one always freaked me out because it was like this weird pale blue. It was like, yes. Ooh. That's yeah. funky looking. And like Dalsim's <laughs> skin was also dark blue, which was like Yeah. What are you doing here? This is this is freaky maybe, stuff. But maybe you need to set a fire to something, buddy, and maybe sit <laughs> in front of it. Yeah, there you go. Oh boy. Oh, so this is a it's it's a more laid back song than I mean, it's not laid back at all as a song, but it's more laid back than Ryu stage, but it's still really just it just rocks. It's it's so weird to me listening to the arcade version because the Super Nintendo version was very much electric guitars. Mm-hmm. Like, the samples they used were very distorted guitars. And this is, you know, this is arcade sounds. These aren't like, it sounds more like a Genesis, you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 running off of a soundboard, not running samples. So it's, it's this, this one just has such a weird feel to me as opposed to the Super Nintendo version. You know, having not played Street Fighter 2, you know, in, in at least probably like 10 years, I'm just going to nod and smile. Because <laughs> I can't I can't conjure up uh, the Super Nintendo sounds. I'm probably going to have to just give it a quick listen later just to square that away in my head or something. Yeah, well, I mean, it, that's, that's, that's what these songs sound like to me. And hearing this song not... You know, electric, not distorted guitars is weird to me, but not necessarily in a bad way. It's still a really cool rendition of the song. I, I love it. I mean, oh, it's, absolutely, it's the rendition of the song. The, yeah, that, <laughs> the original. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is the original. So, all right, let's go back to Japan. Japan for uh, E Honda. I'm just gonna keep doing that the whole episode. <laughs> okay. So E Honda stage. This is an interesting one. I remember there being schoolyard talk that there was a way in the arcade version of the game to throw somebody into that big bath in the background. Oh, God. Yeah, right. Does not exist. But it was no. something that kids definitely talked about in the schoolyard when I was uh, when I was in school. That was a thing that I heard. It was a rumor, and it's just not true. But I thought it would have been cool, because, like, I've never been to Japan. I don't know. Especially when this came out, I knew nothing about what a Japanese bathhouse was. Right. I would just look at this like, where is this supposed to be happening? <laughs> and you just you just kind of do that thing where you're like, "Yep, checks out." Yep. All right. There. I I always thought that it was like they're in a mall, right? Because 
<laughs> malls back then had those big water fountains, remember? <laughs> so I just figured that they were in a mall and like the water fountain wasn't on. <laughs> oh my god. A mall. It's, it's the only thing that made sense to me because there's no analog for a Japanese bathhouse in America. That's weird. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's the weird part. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's listen to a very different song, uh, E Honda Stage from Street Fighter 2. Enjoy. <laughs> as we get uh, deeper into the other um, characters and their levels, you know, the, um, let's see, what's the word I'm looking for? The themes will emerge. And this is certainly, in my opinion, very on theme with um, E Honda, with uh, the, the level sumo design. Sumo wrestling. Right. Yeah. Uh, this, to me, uh, sumo being a very traditional uh, form of fighting, um, and then the track itself, if you ask me, composition is very on a traditional um, plane, you know. So I think uh, I think it's a brilliant uh, piece of music to pair with every to really to really wrap that E Honda uh, proverbial package together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a really good track too. Honestly, I, I like it a lot. I'm a big fan of um, Japanese cultural music. The big um, uh, I hope I'm saying this right. The, the taiko drums. Uh huh. You, you, they use it a lot in like war films and stuff. Like whether it's Japanese fight, you know, fighting or not, they use it a lot. Um, so yeah. if you're not familiar, you, you've certainly heard it before. Um, 
But yeah, I, I dig this one a lot. Um, certainly not a favorite character of mine to play. I love his design, but uh, I don't think I played I played Eid Honda enough to get good enough to beat Bison, get the ending, and then start all over again you know, with someone else. So It was, I think, Turbo where I started to get really good with Honda um, because that was where you could kind of shift around while doing the 100-hand slap, and it was also where he had the... Uh, the um because he was a he was like he was very similar to Blancas. He was mostly a charge character, where mm-hmm. he had the uh, the uh, the sumo missile thing. I think that was what it called. But then he also had this like flying swan dive butt stomp thing that they oh, introduced, yes. where you'd perform it like a flash kick, where he'd go up and then stomp down. That move changed everything for me in Honda, and then I he became one of my better characters in Turbo onward. Uh, once that once that move was introduced. He had some real good anti-air stuff. Besides his standing fierce punch, which was like that karate chop that went over his head. It was just... I could never land it right because the the hitbox never made sense to me. So, like, I, I, I'd get yeah. stopped mm-hmm. by it, by the computer all the damn time. But it just... It, ah, it was blah. I liked him way better in Turbo. But, yeah, I, I, I get you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'll agree with everything you said. Turbo certainly... Um... The improvements made in Turbo definitely made the game, for me as a as a player, open up more because I got to play, or I I should say I, I found in a lot of characters that that I didn't care for uh, a much more accessible um, I don't know playthrough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for leaving me hanging out in the wind like that. But <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm, I'm messing. I, I'm messing. I kind of ran out of things. They kind of ran out of words for a second there. There's just, <laughs> there's just a complete brain. All there's the meow mix theme running through my head. That's all that's up there. <laughs> we should do an episode on that. <laughs> just all an entire episode dedicated just to meow mix remixes. For anyone who's uh, see now, I want to go off on a tangent for a second because this is ridiculous. For anyone who um, doesn't listen to Run the Jewels, which I assume is pretty much everybody who listens to this podcast, the first record uh, came out and Smash, right? Smash hit. Um, they did a Kickstarter where if they LP, uh, also known as El Producto, the, the actual beat maker producer slash one half of Run the Jewels, said, you know, um, I will redo the entire first record musically with cat meows. Guess what exists? <laughs> so, you know, you said that. I said this. Street Fighter 2. You know, one of my favorite bands is Guster. And, oh, my uh, God. Wow, I haven't heard that name in years. I love those guys. I haven't loved their last two albums, but I at least like a couple of tracks on them. But anyway, to the point, their uh, one, two, three, fourth record was called Keep It Together. And um, they released it, and it was great. But then they also released the Meow Mixes, which was... <laughs> all the music was there, but all the lyrics were replaced with them meowing. Okay. It's it amazing. <laughs> oh, there you have it. Look at that. Went off on a tangent about, you know, <laughs> publicly traded music, and that's what happened. <laughs> anyway, it's time to travel to China. China! <laughs> You're really just going to keep going with it. <laughs> this is some of the most memorable voiceovers I've ever heard in a video game. This is Chun-Li's stage. 
And it is a. Uh, it is also. Japan and USA, or Ryu and Ken stage, were not particularly ethnic. E Honda stage was definitely ethnic. China's uh, Chun Li stage is a bit in the middle. There's definitely like um, some ethnic tones to it, but it also kind of hits a little harder, similar to uh, Ryu's and Ken stage. Uh, and it's also a really memorable stage with like the the, you know, the the cyclist running by in the background and. It was a very lively marketplace. I always thought this was a really, really cool stage. And I also always wondered why, like, why is everyone just standing there watching these two beat the crap out of each other? Ah, whatever. So anyway, this is a fantastic song. Let's give it a listen. Here is China from Street Fighter 2. Enjoy. another weird situation listening to this where I feel like the fidelity in the instruments is so out of whack because like some of the 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 bassier tones and like we mentioned before the drums are just like really lo-fi sounding and then you get that main melody that's a far more crisp instrument than the rest of them and it's just weird but outside of that strangeness I just I, I really like this tune I love the main melody I like the part where the it kind of gets really muddy and just kind of like crazy guitar solo going on for a while. And then it pulls itself back into that sort of main melody again. And it's just really, it's really solid work. I love this too. Um, yeah. So, hmm. <laughs> I have so many, so many things is just that are not even music related that I want to talk about with Chun-Li and Chun-Li stage, but a lot of that is just puberty. Um, <laughs> pausing, <laughs> pausing in puberty. We're gonna leave it at that. The um, <laughs> the music for a stage, however, I really appreciate this track a lot. They're, my favorite is just this like that bass 
It almost sounds like a banjo. Like if you if you listen to it, I, I don't know, but it, I I love that tone. I love the selection there, and yeah, like it's so it's so strange to have these like lo-fi drums, but then uh, all these main melodies really not just sit on top of it on top of these lo-fi drums, but like really sit on top of it. And they're like really front, and like you said, use the word clear. They're very very clear and very present up front. Um, I actually really like this track. This is one of my top three tracks just from this game. Um, just from my memory. I remember really, really enjoying um, kind of everything that that was Chun-Li, both of her backdrop, her stage backdrop, her, just her character design is, I mean, now, of course, you know, however many years later is iconic as hell. Um, I loved playing as her. I thought she had a great move set. Um, yeah, and the and the music just just kind of put a nice nice neat bow on top of it. Yeah, to- totally agree. And on on every point, I mean everything you said about the music and about the uh, the, the character design because she's such a cool character design and she wasn't over sexualized. Like, I don't know, speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm not but saying I know, she wasn't sexualized, nah, but nah, she nah, wasn't nah. over-sexualized. I, she I, was, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, like, she was covered, and that was not really what you would expect from a girl video game character at this time. It wasn't, you know, it was a, it was a different time. <laughs> not exactly uh, super respectful towards a lot of uh, female characters, and... Not saying also that true. they didn't sexualize her. Uh, they, they certainly did, especially when she got her uh, Kyokan fireball. In yeah. When they redid the animation in uh, Super Street Fighter 2, where she li- just shoots her ass straight out behind her in a very bizarre way. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like, whoa, okay. But, you know, she was... Uh... Chun-Li is fantastic. And uh, I am... Yeah. Like the stage music, and let's move on. <laughs> Before we get ourselves into any trouble. Uh, any more trouble. Well, you know, Chun Li's awesome. Yes. I wrote a book for my kids. Uh, it, start, it was it was originally for John, but it's you know kind of for both of them now. I wrote a book about reading for my kids, uh, and I did it all based on video game characters. And I did for every letter of the alphabet, I did like a different verb, like A is for adventure. Link ad- travels ac- adventures across the land of Hyrule to help Princess Zelda save the world, or something like that. And mm-hmm. B is for bounce. Donkey Kong bounces high to get the bananas, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when I got to K, I used Chun-Li for Chun-Li. K is for kick. Chun-Li kicks quickly because she trains every day. Nice. Fun little anecdote. I like that. It's an awesome book, but it's so not for sale because it's so full of copyrighted material. (laughs) Anyway, let's travel to Brazil. Brazil! (laughs) This is where Blanca is from, and... uh, Blanca, one of the more interesting characters in Street Fighter mythology, or as we know him from Street Fighter the movie, Carlos Blanca, yep. a.k.a. Charlie, Guile's yep. best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this one, he's Jimmy, right? Yeah, he's Jimmy. Uh, his, I don't quite remember. His story was that he fell out of a plane as a baby, was raised by electric eels in the jungle. His, his skin turned green for some reason, and... Uh, his photosynthesis the, 
the metal anklets were like how his mom recognizes him in the ending of the game. It's just one of the funniest things I've ever seen. His story is so absurd. I love it. But this stage is super cool. It's like in front of like grass huts and stuff. And there's a big freaky looking snake wrapped around a tree. And uh, it, it's it's and it's a pretty cool tune. Very tribal. So let's give it a listen. Here is Blanca's stage from Street Fighter 2. drums are so lo-fi <laughs> yeah it's it's so weird those those like conkas and stuff sound so completely just muddy but uh it still works man it still works yeah it's it's a strange to me it's a strange track um because i almost feel like it belongs in something that's not street fighter it sounds like it could be in i don't even know almost anything else um like a side-scrolling adventure, perhaps. Um, but it's still a really good track. Um, the lo-fi drums, I just... Uh, yeah, I almost can't wrap my head around it. Like, how... First of all, why? Is it is it uh, a data thing? Is it a lack of channels? You know, Or is it a, a straight-up, this is my production choice? And if it is, then the next question is, Why? Why did why did you decide to make lo-fi drums? I would if I had to venture a guess, I'd say that this was a limitation of the hardware at the time yeah. combined with uh, budget. I mean, I don't imagine that Street Fighter 2 Street Fighter wasn't a massive success. I don't know enough of the history of the way this game was developed, but if I had to venture a guess based on what I know about Mega Man 2 that Capcom recognized that there was enough of a good idea there to greenlight a sequel, and it was probably a true labor of love. And mm. 
that's that's my that's just a total guess and if i'm wrong please listeners correct me because uh, i did not bother to do the research about the way this cow this game was uh developed but that's what seems to make sense to me like i i i, I would assume that these were just limitations of what the sound that with the this sound chip could do at the time you're the expert here not me <laughs> I'm going to defer to you. I am the expert that is proclaiming that I don't know what I'm talking about. That, <laughs> and that's why I defer to you. <laughs> I know even less than you. Well, let's keep on going. Yes. Uh, the next track is uh, this one's. All right. This one's weird. All right. This is. Uh, we're going to, to USSR. USSR. Which is weird because, you know, that's not a place it anymore. It doesn't exist but, uh, anymore. <laughs> But also, uh, this is Zangief's stage, and I love this song, but I don't love this particular rendition of it. Mm. There have been uh, newer versions of this, particularly the one in Street Fighter Four, that really just nail the energy to this one. But it's still a pretty good. It's still pretty good, but I know. But uh, as as a lot of the songs on this uh, particular soundtrack have, it's gotten better over the years, and this one in particular, I think, has gotten much better over the years. Regardless. This is where it started, and this is an awesome track, and Zangief is such a weird character. Such a weird character. I don't know what's going on with his shins, and I love that they brought that up in Wreck-It Ralph, too. Like, <laughs> that is a choice. Anyway, uh, here's here's USSR, Zangief stage from Street Fighter Two. Enjoy. Zangief stage, and I love that baseline. I just wish it sounded better. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird that the rhythm section is so downplayed. Like, Yeah, because the thing is is that it's all super good, but it's like really underrepresented. It, it's it's yeah. just it's just getting the shaft. It's this 
whole soundtrack sounds muddier than it needs to, or muddier than it should. And uh, it, it's a bummer because it's washing out some really, really awesome compositions. And I think that's what is awesome in later renditions of this song in particular is like really highlighting how awesome this bass line is and just kind of changing the drums a little bit because one of the things I don't love about this particular version is the um, kind of offbeat drums in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that like weird syncopated just like snare hit that's just a little later than you'd expect it to be. And it kind of it kind of gives the whole thing a very unattractive stereotypical look because in the background of this stage there's a bunch of russians just chugging vodka yeah and it makes the song sound kind of drunk so it's like eh, was that intentional i mean are we talking punch out here or like what's <laughs> what's what it was exactly the intent here either way i still really love this song yeah, it's it's a it's a good song too. It gives me like um, European synth poppy vibes. I was talking before about how um, you know you get um, kind of a cultural package, so to speak. This doesn't really have much in the way. I guess maybe if you had a sight unseen, think about it. My first thought would be like, oh, I want. I I think I'm going to hear the the track from. Uh, Tetris, you know, <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> but yeah. but again, that that goes right in line with the idea of the Russians watching the fighter chugging vodka. Like, who's the racist here now? Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> but but this is another good song too. Um, everything I think we listen to, even the chill tracks, have a, a level of energy that to me is indicative of fighting games that <laughs> I feel should be there, and, and in this case, it absolutely is. Uh, might be another reason why. Um, you know this game has stood the test of time and had so many sequels and iterations and you know all everything that you know it, it's spiraled out and spawned off all right so we're traveling back to USA USA for uh probably one of the other most uh, iconic songs from Street Fighter 2 because uh, partially because of an internet meme where this song goes with everything. We're talking about Guile's theme. <laughs> this <laughs> this song it, to me is one of the other uh, top three iconic tracks from the Street Fighter franchise. Like when I think Street Fighter, it's Ryu, it's um, Chun Li, and it's Guile Stage. Those are solid picks. All right, let's go ahead and listen to Guile's theme. Enjoy!
easily one of the coolest songs on the planet. <laughs> I was going to say in the soundtrack, but no, on the planet. That song just plain rules. I'm, I, I have no reason to disagree with you. Guile is my Street Fighter character. He is my character of choice in every Street Fighter game. Huh. Uh, he's where I wound up. I loved Blanca to, for, from the get-go, but Guile was, uh, he had that projectile, and once I mastered the art of uh, charge characters, that just really speaks to the way I play Street Fighter. I'm very defensive and very reactive. Um, so when I play as like a Shotokan fighter like Ryu, I'm super offensive, and I leave myself open a lot, which took a lot of training to kind of get around, and I learned a lot of that around Street Fighter 3, uh, particularly Third Strike. Uh, with like Ryu and Ken and eventually uh, Akuma, who is all offense and zero defense, because that guy can take like six hits before he's knocked out, but he's crazy <laughs> strong. But Guile is just this perfect balance for me of just of, of defense and offense, and I just I, I love the way the character works. I love his stupid hair. Um, <laughs> I love Jean Claude Van Damme's rendition of him in the uh. movie. <laughs> hey Bison, I'm the Repo Man. Your ass is six months overdue. <laughs> that was really good. I don't I know that. if I'm impressed or ashamed of you. <laughs> I'm leaning towards impressed, though. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, the, the, and this song is so, like... This song is such a perfect reflection of that character because it's, like... It's chill. It's all about staying calm, right? The song's awesome, right? But it's so... It does not have a fast tempo. It is just, it is reserved and constant awesome. It is, it's just great. I love it. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say about it. It's so flipping cool. I, I mean, I, I can't add to that, honestly. Um, iconic Street Fighter track. Iconic track, period. Of course, the meme didn't hurt either. Um, uh, that bass, just great. Uh the drums again lo-fi this time i was sitting here because i'm very familiar with this track and i was really trying to dissect it in my head and trying to hear what it would sound like if you could just and i use the term i air quote this rather open it up you know what i mean you, mm -hmm. you say it's muddy like uh, audio engineers understand and if you're semi-audio file you know what, what i'm saying when i say open it up just just open those drums up a little bit you know mm -hmm. but um but i mean again whatever the reasoning was it still came out to be just a great track whatever limitations it was whatever restrictions they just a fantastic job i i think that it really hinges so much on the baseline to be honest with you because yeah the baseline could have been half of what it is and the song would still be cool but bringing it all the way to where it actually is it's like it, it really it dances around a lot it carries so much weight in this song but it also does its job of staying behind the main melody it just it amplifies everything that's cool about the song in just pitch perfect pitch perfect manner it's the whole song is genius well i hate to follow it up with this one but this is far and away my least favorite track of the game but i wasn't gonna leave it out because then we'd just be leaving out one track so let's <laughs> let's go to India India um, I think the reason I dislike this song more than anything is because every time I hear it I just hear incessant elephants uh, yeah. yeah I hated fighting in Dalsam stage because the elephants would not shut the heck up 
around! Shut up, guys. Why are we fighting in here? Could we just go to the next room, please? Anywhere. <laughs> where the Come elephants on. aren't. <laughs> yeah. Let's go where the elephants... It just seems like a bad idea, because at some point, maybe one of those elephants is going to decide to start, I don't know, walking around. <laughs> this... This is a bad place to hold an official fight, right? Because these the thing's called Street Fighter, but these aren't street fights. They're part of a tournament, right? So, like, these locations were chosen. <laughs> and this is a, a bad one. <laughs> a committee had to agree to that. And for some reason, they agreed to that. Yeah, for some reason, Dr. Dalsim, <laughs> as he is in the movie, <laughs> decided, no, we're going to fight here where there's not one elephant, but six. <laughs> <laughs> home field advantage i mean you think about it, it might be psychological warfare that's true maybe i mean look everything about this is designed to throw you off right because yeah. you go in here and it's like well that's a freaky looking elephant painting in the background uh there's six elephants here they're all waving their trunks around oh and this guy's limbs stretch and he's the spitting fire thing, I'm totally cool with, because Ryu and Ken are chucking fireballs out of their hands, and Blanca is a green dude, but... That electric stuff, yeah. The stretchy limbs was really a... Th that that's was, where I draw the line. <laughs> that's where I'm like, okay, this is officially crossing a line. I don't know how to explain this. <laughs> anyway, here's India from Street Fighter 2. Enjoy. song no i don't mind it I, I yeah i feel like i probably like it more than you do i mean it's it's perfectly fine it, it it doesn't jump out at me as special you know i mean we just got done listening to kyle's theme and then you get to this one it's like okay <laughs> um then i'll talk about it a little bit um you know what I was talking about before where uh, it ties into the aesthetic of the stage and the character you get a very um, for lack of a better term a, a, an ethnic track uh, indicative of you know what you might what might have been popular at the time what have you um, I think it's well put together uh, yeah of course you know coming right after Guile stage like mm, you know, 
and any almost anything's a sleeper. But um, it's it is nice. I will <laughs> I will say it is nice to hear the track without uh, the screeching elephants. It, it make definitely makes it more <laughs> enjoyable. Yeah, it's a. Uh... The, the the song will always have a, a negative connotation for me because of those elephants. Yeah. Well, we got cooler things to talk about, so let's go ahead and talk about them. <laughs> yeah. We've gone through the, the eight world warriors, now it's time for the boss characters. And we get to USA. USA! Balrog stage. I do not like Balrog. It's a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I'm terrible with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've... Never been any good with him. Uh, I know people are very good with him, and there's it is amazing, uh, especially in like Street Fighter Four. Street Fighter Four, watching a really good Balrog player just absolutely demolish with Balrog is super cool to watch. Partially because the dude's got no kicks, right? He's all boxing, he's, and he's, he's all upper body. Yeah, he's got no kicks. He's got barely any jump capabilities. But this guy is an up powerhouse but not in this game because this game he wasn't playable at all you could only play against him as one of the four boss characters and his stage is in las vegas and the music is awesome this is one of my favorite tracks in street fighter 2 and i feel like it's just it's one of the overlooked ones because i guess the stage itself isn't super interesting i don't know it's it's all right it's pretty uh, cool. It's got I the cars know. and the the ladies open their hats and the doves come flying out. So I, I don't know. Maybe I think the stage is super interesting. I just feel like this gets overlooked a lot when thinking is about or, super wait, wait, cool. Wait, wait. Did you say is or isn't? I think it is interesting. Oh, I feel like I agree. I, I yeah. I feel like it's perceived right. as as uninteresting. I don't know who the hell's doing that, but they're wrong. I, I this it's just a it's just a feeling I have because I feel like nobody talks about this song as one of the better songs in Street Fighter. I I just think this song rules. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and give it a listen. Uh, Balrog stage from Street Fighter Two. Enjoy.
The true tragedy of this original version of this song is the lack of any sort of strong bass. Uh, yeah, I I'll agree with you there. Because the bass line is, while not incredibly um, complex, is really, really good and does an excellent job of driving this song. But in this particular version of it, it's all these staccato notes. Mm -hmm. when you, it just, when it just you, sits in the cut. Exactly. You get to later renditions of this song and you hear that bass line more fleshed out with just a, a, a stronger bass sound. Mm -hmm. And the song just jumps up to the next level because that melody is so good. I freaking love the melody in this. It's it, it just it just rules. So I don't know. Still good. Good stuff. Uh, again, I'm absolutely going to agree with you. Uh, that bass, like I said, it sits in the cut, which is fun, honestly. Like, I, I dig stuff that isn't necessarily as pronounced. Uh, a couple of the tracks we've already listened to have these, uh, you know, really out front um, bass lines and, and melodies and stuff like that. But sometimes to, to sit back in it and, and let it kind of, um, you know, fill in those those spots is great, too. Um yeah, this is a this is a track that I think maybe is overlooked, perhaps uh, by some. I, I I don't know. I, I I can't imagine why. If it is, maybe I'm just telling tall tales out of high school. Maybe I'm <laughs> not. I don't know. It definitely it definitely strikes me as an overlooked track because right? mm -hmm. I just don't I don't hear it spoken about when this is the same reverence as later as the other stuff like you know Chun-Li stage or Ryu stage I just think I think it's just as good as the best of them I love this song I'm with you man and speaking of songs I love uh, let's I go to Spain Spain and then listen to Vegas theme or Balrog's theme right because Balrog was M. Bison Vega was Balrog and Bison was Vega <laughs> Um, yes. Yes. Yes, have some. <laughs> Weird little switch around there. Like, uh, I could say they didn't want M. Bison to be so obviously M. Tyson for Balrog's character, mm. which, is, all right, I get that. But also, like, he's not... <laughs> I like how Capcom officially went out of the way and say, oh, no, this is not the same character as Mike from Street Fighter 1. Totally different dude. Yeah, right. Like, what? Why? <laughs> just, just don't up to it. You could have just said it was the same. Like, you'd be fine. Why? All Would've right. Made more sense. Yeah. Cool. Do, do your thing, man. Anyway, this song rules. It's definitely got the awesome Spanish influences, uh, and it just, it just rules. Here's Vegas stage. Enjoy. <laughs>
<laughs> that is a killer song, even though I must say that uh, Yoko Shimomura got to do a remix of this song for Smash Brothers Ultimate, mm-hmm. where she totally nailed it. <laughs> Which isn't to say this isn't great, but this is another one of those great examples of future renditions of this song got so much better. But that it's starting out at such a good point. Ah, definitely gonna have to hear that. Um, so, uh, I'm I'm a Ken guy. I I love playing Ken. Ken has always been my favorite. But the minute Vega was playable, I had to. And that's my second favorite character of the like the Street Fighter Two universe. I was so stoked when Vega became playable. Oh my god! I was so excited about it. I uh, let me tell you, the first time I got to Vega and I saw him, I was like, oh, and then of course he's got the claws and I'm like, oh, you know, every Wolverine fantasy. And I'm like, I need those in my life. The yep. first time he jumped on the cage, I was like, oh, my God, I was like, excuse me, thing. you can't do that. I can't do that. You shouldn't be. And then, you know, he dives on you or whatever. I'm like, oh, my God, his animations were gorgeous, and fluid. His character design was just amazing. He's wearing like the matador type tights. The mask, the fact that you could beat him up enough that like his uh, claws go flying off. His claw would come off. Oh uh, my god! The, the fence thing, though, it was yeah. like he did the one thing where he would like slash at you, but the thing where he'd grab you and then like just suplex you or whatever that move is. Yes, was the coolest thing. So Damn, fun, it was so awesome. And then when it I really finally was. got to play as him, it was like, man, just doing <laughs> doing the backflips and the mm-hmm. roll moves. Oh. So awesome. So much awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember doing the roll move to just cheese my friends into a corner. You know what I mean? Like, come on, stop. You know, you're like, no, I'm not doing anything. You know, (laughs) I just be a jerk. (laughs) Like a a troll, you know, a young troll for trolls were a thing. Yeah, Vega. Vega, And you know something, too? I I loved Vega stage design. Obviously, we're talking about the, the fence and jumping on the fence. But what I love about that stage is that basically that to me is what street fighter should be like you're it's almost like fight club where you're in these like dirty fighting pits and stuff and that's like if i remember correctly that's what his stage really kind of looked like there were people behind the gate if i'm not mistaken like it was like a restaurant or something right like there was this whole cage thing but there are people at tables eating i think or at the very least drinking oh you're you're right there's um um, I'm I'm mashing a couple things up. There was a flamenco band performing in the background. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Holy either way, awesome. but but either way, with that fence though, it, it to me it felt very much like this is what a street fight should be. Like this is what a fight oh, should yeah. be a street fighter. I like that was installed. You know, like, yeah. that that fence was there because this is where people fight. Like there just be- happens to be a, a stage and some tables for people to eat in the background, but like. This is part of the entertainment. <laughs> because this weirdo Vega can't keep his feet on the floor. He's got to climb on something, so we install the fence so he wouldn't attack the patrons. <laughs> you know, it's a weird backstory. Uh, and in, like, later versions, I don't remember which version it started in, where the, you see the fence drop down at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It was, in this, the original version, it was just there, and then, like, eventually you'd start the mash and go, slam down in the background, like, oh, why is this so cool? <laughs> Because it, it just is. Because it just is. <coughs> oh, my God. All right, we got two left, and uh, uh, one of them is Sagat Stage. It is the uh, by Iso Abe, and it's a 
I don't know. This is a weird one. This whole stage was was weird. I never knew that that sta- the giant statue in the background was a it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a I don't know. It's a weird song. Very strange song for a pretty intense battle because yes. you know Sagat was the last boss in the original Street Fighter. Correct. And uh, he's the second in command this time around, and he's just pretty big dude. So anyway, here's Thailand. 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 From Street Fighter 2. That was good. Enjoy. Interesting song. Yes. Um, what, what is that time signature? Oh, I have no. I'm so bad at picking that stuff up. It's not four four. I'll tell you that for free. It's eleven eleven eighths. <laughs> okay. According according to this uh, remix page, the song is the time signature for this piece is eleven eighths, just like the original. Huh. That's wacky. Wacky do indeed. Or according to this page, let's see. According to this page, it's uh, 5-4. So, I don't know. So, I mean, obviously it's an odd time signature. That's yeah. the established. Uh, but uh, it's either 5-4 it's either or uh, 11. What did I say? 11-8? Yeah. Well, five and eleven are both odd numbers, so Correct. it is definitely an odd time signature. <laughs> Good save. Good save. <laughs> so I, I I don't really know what to say about this one. It's uh, I'll I'll say this. I loved um, Sagat the character. I I have no like zero interaction with the the original Street Fighter. So um, to see Sagat. Uh, excuse me to see Sagat in part 2 I thought like oh my god and he's so like Bison he's physically bigger than most of the characters you know mm-hmm. uh, Zangief as well but he in my opinion is towering he's tall he's lean he's got the Muay Thai stance and he is a vicious mf'er. Um, I can remember just being stuck on him for a couple hours with certain characters just trying to like bulldoze my way through him no finesse you know because that's kind of how he his fighting style was um i love the stage design for him 
I love um, I love his physical design, the the giant scar across the chest from the dragon punch. You know, great mm-hmm. mythos, great story. Um, the music is I don't know. The music is something that I I feel of the total package is probably the weakest link. It's good music, um, but I think it it falls victim to you know being played after something like vega or just again in in like the whole pantheon of music from street fighter 2 the arcade it's one of the weakest links yeah it's not super memorable it doesn't have like a good hook to it you know it's just kind of it's just kind of odd and the whole the whole stage is odd the whole the match is very different you know because again he doesn't really fight like anybody else in the game like eventually he would evolved to be like now that you can do his moves they all work similar to like Ryu and Ken and stuff but the whole like you first get to him and he's just throwing those tiger shots at you up and down and up and down and you get close to him he does the tiger uppercut it's just this was always a very frustrating match and Mm -hmm. uh, this music didn't help (laughs) no yeah the fact that I've probably heard it more than the character selection screen music is uh disconcerting i suppose i don't know that's <laughs> <laughs> certainly um it's certainly memorable but yeah you want to talk about frust want to talk about the soundtrack mm. of frustration especially <laughs> in the original street fighter 2 we are on to the final boss m bison which uh this is a weird stage uh it's also in thailand and like you'd break the statues in the background, and then like some dude would get up and be like really pissed about it. Like, would you knock it off? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm sorry. This guy's like flying around and jumping on my head, and I, I don't know what to tell you. Now, where does his cape go? Um, he throws the cape, and it just disintegrates into the it, air. It becomes a cloak of invisibility. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter runs by and grabs it. Yeah, good. He times. too anyway, disappears. Uh, here is uh, some some good old fashioned final boss music. Uh, Van Bison stage from Street Fighter Two. Enjoy.
It's hardly my favorite track of the game, but it is so effective at what it does. It is some... It is some... It is music to get your butt whipped, too. (laughs) (laughs) And this... This stinking dirty cheater... Before he became playable, his moves didn't have to make any kind of usable sense. So he could just keep doing that scissor kick back over and over again. All the way across the screen, or just anytime he wants to, just Psycho Crusher, boom, right across the screen. Like, I mean, he's the last boss in an arcade machine that's designed to suck up your quarters. Like, Mm -hmm. he was doing his job, and he was doing it well. (laughs) And this music was, like, kind of the perfect backdrop for that. It really, really was, though. (laughs) Like, I can't tell. Like, I I, I will say, um, okay, wait. I mean, I have too many thoughts trying to come out at once. Bison was tough. And I felt like I did spend a lot of time on him, but I, I'm going to be honest, not as much time as I spent on Sagat. But, but Bison was a different kind of FU. You know what I mean? Um, I never got that far in the arcade because um, I don't like uh, losing money. <laughs> yeah, the, the arcade AI... I was just playing it earlier today. I, I loaded up the uh, Street Fighter Anniversary Collection on Switch just to see how far I could get in the uh, the arcade version. Because I'm not a Street Fighter 2 pro by any stretch of the imagination, no. but I'm pretty decent against living human beings, like your average player. Yeah. I can't fight the pros, but I can I can hold my own pretty well uh, against a human player. And like I start playing, and I'm doing okay, and then I'm very quickly reminded that this game... Just the AI is cheap mm-hmm. because they'll they will just react to whatever you're doing. Like it's a computer, it can immediately react to whatever you're doing, however it needs to. So you want to you want to jump at them? They are already prepared. Guile in particular, like yeah, I know the charge. The the flash kick takes time to charge, but it doesn't take time to charge the computer. They can just whip that out at a moment's notice. Which is hysterical to me. Uh, so, you're 100% right. I definitely had a harder time with Bison than I did with uh, Sagat. I, because Sagat follows a decent set of rules. Sagat works like a very tall, slower version of Ryu and Ken, right? Mm-hmm. I understand the attacks. I can tell where the animation is going to be so I either duck or jump or duck or jump to get around his barrage of tiger shots and then try to time it to get in there before he can throw his tiger uppercut. There was a pattern that I could recognize with Sagat. Bison is just chaos. He's just like, I'm going to cycle crusher over here, do a couple of scissor kicks, then fly way off the top of the screen, bop you on the top of head, then fly around and punch you another time. Then you're dizzy and then I'm just going to walk up to you, throw you and it's over. Like it, because he's just he's cheap arcade boss, and uh, it was frustrating. <laughs> it was very very frustrating, and I always loved when he finally beat him, and you get to see those the crazy endings that the that this oh, game God, coughed yeah. up at you, especially with a, uh, I mean especially with uh with, with with Blanca, like I mentioned earlier. But you know Ken and his girlfriend runs on to the runs. On. Does that ridiculous trot onto the camera and just, oh, okay. Or uh, Guile, who goes, who tells people, go home and be a family man. <laughs> just, this game is so stupid when you think about it. Uh, yeah. 
like the the mythology that started here it obviously got so much better and but it, it owns that stupidity it just it, it owns its personality it's got such a great personality and uh this song frustrated the heck out of me but like all good boss music it's really good at keeping you on your toes it's it changes from like you know half time and then back again like it, it it definitely goes places to keep the intensity up and it, it doesn't it doesn't let up it doesn't let you relax um I, I some of the kind of um the flavor text if you will uh i i dig those big bells uh-huh um, yeah the big bells are very important to uh the feel right they they tie directly to the stage um there's a uh, an urgency, <clears throat> excuse me, as is with most, uh, if not all, boss music, uh, or at least boss music worth their salt. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're absolutely right, though. This is this is the sound of frustration. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. It's it's really hard to to separate the two. Like my frustration at you know twelve and thirteen years old trying to get all the endings, um, and just being stuck on this knob. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I call him a knob because exactly what you just said, just how cheesy he was. And like, golly, man, just taking the pounding from him every single time and continue. And you're just like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, musically, this is, this is another good track. The, um, I, I really appreciate the bass line in this one. It's, um, it's more of a bass that low end like it it it's another one that kind of sits in the cut enough but kind of um not takes or gets a spotlight but it has it's not something you have to proactively listen for and seek out which is always kind of like something i look for in a in a baseline Mm -hmm. um yeah it's just it's just a good track again you know as is with every single track we've listened to those interesting lo-fi drums on the bottom you know this this uh the bass line sitting like right in the middle usually and then just these crystal clear leads and synthesizers that makes up the street fighter 2 arcade soundtrack it's it's such an interesting mm, production it definitely is an extraordinarily memorable and music that has stuck around Mm-hmm. All all of this music has been reprised many times over. Oh, yeah. And not just in the 367 different versions of Street Fighter 2 that exist. <laughs> Hyper. Turbo. Rainbow. Oh, yeah. Super, super turbo. Super mm-hmm. duper turbo. Ultra. Super hyper, hyper Street turbo. Fighter 2, Ultra, Ultra Street Fighter Street. 2. Super <laughs> Street Fighter 2 EX plus Alpha dot com. <laughs> uh, super Ultra number 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, it's so many iterations of, the, of just 2, of just Street Fighter 2. Uh, yeah, yeah. it took them a while to get to 3, <laughs> and like, man oh man. I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to hot take super quick. Uh, Street Fighter FX, loved it. Absolutely e- loved it. EX, the, the 3D EX. one? Excuse me, EX, it was not FX. EX, loved it. Loved it. I did not. <laughs> That's why I said super hot take. I, it's it wasn't bad. All it this was, talking um, about all the iterations made me think of it. It was it was such a weird game. I remember. I mean, I did I didn't hate it, but I didn't I didn't yeah. love it. I was no, like, no, right. 
I still prefer the 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 2D animation, to be honest. But um, that's what Street Fighter the new is. Characters, you know the the Doctor Dark and yeah. Doctrine Dark and Skullomania and yeah, <laughs> which they aren't even technically Capcom characters, right? I think a whole other they, those characters have appeared in a different fighting game series that they're a part of. Ah, the whole <laughs> thing's weird, but you know. What are you going to do? Hey, good times. That is going to wrap it up for us. Uh, That was our Street Fighter anniversary special. And this whole year is chock full of anniversaries. And uh, before this episode, Matt and I went through and talked about most of the episodes we're doing for the rest of the year because they're all coinciding with major anniversaries. Uh, And that's going to continue next time when we will be celebrating another anniversary, The Legend of Zelda. Now, we've already covered many of the original Zelda games, including in our original Legend of Zelda episode where we compared the NES and Famicom Disk System versions of the original game. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do an anniversary special for this game. Matt and I are each going to pick five of our favorite or most interesting Zelda tracks uh, and just kind of do a cool Zelda medley of fantasticness. (laughs) Yeah, so that, that, that's, that's our show. We here at the Waveback Podcast are incredibly grateful to everyone who listens, and we love communicating you with, with you when we can. We have a couple of ways you can do that. There's the Geek Aid Discord channel in which we have a Waveback chat where we frequently discuss all manners of stuff relating to video game music and whatever our next episodes are going to be. We also have a Waveback forum page over on Facebook, which you can find uh, by searching Waveback on Facebook. Of course, you can always still send us an email at mail at geekade.com. Just include the word Waveback in the subject line so we know who it's for. And while you're at it, check out all our other social media channels, which you should totally follow, like, and subscribe to if you haven't already. And be sure to check out all the other great stuff content we have on our site over at geekade.com. As far as things to plug, um, Waveback Overplay is still going. It's a YouTube channel where I do mashups of... Uh, two different versions of video game songs and i after listening to this episode really thinking i want to do a uh, an overplay of street fighter 2 with the super nintendo and arcade versions because i think that might that's either going to be really interesting or just plain awful so <laughs> <laughs> so stay but tuned there's so many different versions of street fighter 2 out there i i'd like to find like maybe i'll mash up like the game boy version and the, the arcade version of the super Nintendo. i'll do something i'll figure something out it's going to be interesting um that might be the next one that I do. But either way, uh, that's that's that channel. Also, um, I've recently started creating video content for Stone Age Gamer. Uh, if you check out the Stone Age Gamer YouTube channel, I'm doing some product overviews, and I'm starting a series where I'm going through uh, my game collection and the weird, interesting stuff that I have called Stone Age Gaming. Uh, that'll be starting probably towards the end of this month. And if you like it, then subscribe to it. And I write blogs for them and all sorts of other stuff. What about you, Matt? What What would you like to plug today? Uh, I will continue to plug the further adventures of my Dungeons and Dragons uh, gaming group. Um, every other, or I should say, every alternating Saturday, uh, myself and Matt Much, uh, formerly of Paper Cuts and also Geek Aid personality, and two other friends uh, sit and play D and D on Saturdays. Uh, or excuse me, alternating Saturdays, and we're still going, and it's the most insane campaign I've ever played. I will say that the highlight of the campaign has been we have identified a... You know how there's like a pride of lions and a murder of crows and a gaggle of geese? Uh, 
Uh-huh. Uh, if you're familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, there's a, an enemy called a mimic, and what they do is they mimic inanimate objects, uh, such as treasure chests mostly. But our characters have encountered a collective of mimics that are able to shapeshift into different pieces of furniture, like a hat rack or a <laughs> armoire. And we have affectionately referred to them as an Ikea of mimics. So, if you like ridiculous uh, wordplay and poor decision-making skills, you should really check out the the Dungeons & Dragons on the Geek Aid Twitch channel. It's twitch.tv backslash Geek Aid every alternating Saturday. Alright, I, I, it, it's... I wish I had the time to do and listen to all the wonderful content that is out there because it's I would a lot. love to watch this. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Love <laughs> I love hearing your recaps and stuff. <laughs> whenever, whenever you mention it on the show, it is always interesting. So go, oh. go listen to it. If you're available on the internet, go, go listen to this man and then give him some of your money. I mean, I'm not gonna say no. You want to throw a couple bucks my Just way? Just throw but... cash at him. He doesn't yeah. need it. Doesn't even I'm, matter. <laughs> Just throw cash no. at him. What? I totally need it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> throw throw cash at me. I might make it clap. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. All right. Tonight, we are going to end with the ending music. This is, honest to goodness, one of my favorite songs in all of Street Fighter 2. It's definitely a track that gets overlooked because who remembers the ending music from Street Fighter 2? It's all about those stages, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's all about verses, not the single player campaign, but... The, the ending music is so good in Street Fighter 2. I love this song. Uh, and I, I hope you enjoy it as well. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for some killer Zelda tunes. Good night. Good night.